Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hey everybody, let me talk to you here for a second. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it is the easiest way to make a podcast. Here, let me explain real quick. First off, it's free. That is the best word in the English language. Free. There's also a creation tool that allows you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and much, much more You can make money from your podcast as well with no minimum listenership. That's big. I mean, huge for brand new podcasters. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. Just download the free Anchor app or go to anchorfm.com to get started. The only thing better than grinding all night for your side hustle is your roommate picking you up with Mickey D's breakfast. The perfect pickup deal. There's a deal for every morning at McDonald's. Right now, taste breakfast perfection when you get a warm and savory sausage McMuffin with egg for just $2.50. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. Welcome to the main event, Mark's Podcast. Ho, 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 I am your first co-host, Troy Adams, and with me as always is the WWE Walking Wrestling Encyclopedia, the main event collector, and the Rey Mysterio to my Jushin Thunder Liger. He is Greg. What's up, Greg? What up? I totally got that you sigh. (laughs) Well, I hope so. You watched the show. No, I was like... Do I like that one more? I do. Okay. Yeah, I was going to say you're a big Mysterio Mark, like and not I like that them I'm both, not, but, but like Mysterio more. But yeah. Well, well, you're also half Mexican, so I figured that one fit you better. Yeah, no? and you're and you're half oh, Japanese, yeah. so there you go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that one totally fits. <laughs> good, good grief. Well, 
We are on the third show of the month, which which means we are back to Starcades. I said before I was excited about December because not only do I love classic Starcades and I wanted to go back and watch these, but I was excited because there are five weeks in December, which means we're going to have five shows plus a sixth bonus show. A freaking bonus. Yeah, and I like to gap out the Starcades where it's like Starcade, something else, Starcade, something else. So we get three Starcades in one month and uh, three extras, you know, if you include the bonus show. Three different companies, by the way. So we're, we're really spreading the love around here in December, man. I kind of dig that. Where it's, we don't focus on one thing all month. I do, too. And lately I've been realizing I've been preferring doing the WCW shows more. Yeah. You know, some of these are, are more fun to go back and, and analyze. Some of the like the really good or just hilariously bad WWF events are cool and uh, fun to cover. But uh, we got one coming up next week that I, I mean, there's some stuff to talk about. I'm more excited about the news and notes section of that show than the actual event itself. Not to spoil anything for anybody, but this one we've actually got quite a bit of news and notes for as well. But Starcade 1996 is what we're talking about today, everybody, and. I really, really liked this show. How do you feel about it? I loved it. Yeah, I mean, I the don't... The opener is enough to hook you. Like, mm-hmm. I've always mm-hmm. said, that if the opener hooks you and gets you into it, there's a good chance the rest of the show's going to be good. Oh, and for sure, yeah. this opener is like, wow. I actually had to rewind yeah, a couple it... times because I, like, was t- taking notes. I missed a move. I'm like, Wow. Yeah, it was it was really good. Uh, I mean, just top to bottom. I mean, not every single match was a banger, but I mean, not, not to spoil my rating system, but I, I I don't think I gave any match below two stars on this card. I don't think I did either. Yeah, hmm. yeah. So I mean, it was it was really, it, which I I don't think since we started this podcast, I don't think that there was a show that I've done that for yet, and we've covered some some good stuff. But I think this is my highest rated show that we've covered so far on the podcast. Good so, stuff, pal. God dang it. Such good crap, pal. And I'm <laughs> really liking WCW from 96. I was not watching at the time, so I didn't see any of this stuff actually go down. But 96. Yeah. In, I've often, I mean, said, 90, I've often said 96 and 7 are their very best years, easily. Yeah, for sure. Even WWF had some good stuff in 96 that we've talked about. And I'm sure, you know, we'll eventually go back to 96 and WWF at some point. But, um, yeah, uh, for now, sticking with WCW. Because, I mean, that was the birth of the NWO and Hogan turning heel and just a lot of big stuff this year, man. But we'll dive into all that. We are going to take our first break. You're going to hear some jingle bells. And when we come back, it is the news and notes section from the time of December 1996. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at main event underscore marks and Facebook at facebook.com forward slash main event marks pod. Buying a home can feel like navigating uncharted waters. Redfin agents can help. They'll answer your questions with honest advice so you know exactly what you're getting into. They'll also help you tour as many homes as you want and show you what it takes to make a winning offer. With a Redfin agent on your side, you can sail straight to your dream home. 
Local expertise from Redfin. That's real estate done right. Tour subject to property and agent availability. Virginia Office Falls Church, VA. 844-759-7732. Now, back to our program. All right, we're back from commercial. And uh, apologize, apologies for the top of the show. I had a bad internet connection. So if I sound a little wonky and cut out a few times, as uh, Greg says I did on his end, then, uh, you know, apologize for that. But I'm... Uh, hopefully on a better connection right now for the new listeners of the podcast. If you don't know, uh, we start the show off kind of, you know, talking about what we're about to cover in full. And then we dive into news and notes from the time of the event at hand. And it's fun to go back and look at some of this stuff. Cause I know about a lot of this stuff, but I've forgotten. So it's cool to go back and listen. Uh, we've gotten a lot of good feedback about this part of the show. So I like to think this is like some of the, bigger meat on the bone of our show <laughs> sometimes oh yeah it definitely is <laughs> and obviously we're we're talking about you know the events like today we're talking about starcade 1996 but this is like all the stuff from around the wrestling world at the time so it kind of tells you where we are at the time of uh of this so first story i'm, I'm gonna cover some wwf stuff right out the gate the Royal Rumble in coming up in January will have 25 WWF wrestlers, four AAA guys, which are Mil Mascaris, Cibernetico, Latin Lover, and Piroth Jr., and also Terry Funk. It's wild, uh, widely believed that Bret Hart will win the Royal Rumble in order to set up the Bret versus Sean rematch at WrestleMania, although they, <laughs> may, they may try to swerve, bro, the fans. Like, yeah, see how that goes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they may try to swerve the fans and have someone else win the rumble. That was uh yeah, it was Austin, wasn't it? Yeah. I yeah, mean that's right. Tactically, yes. <laughs> yeah, so Austin won and then he lost his title shot the next month, correct? Uh he just never got it. That's when Sean lost his smile and had the fatal four way and I mean he technically oh, did yeah. get a shot, I guess, but yeah. Also yeah. I want to point out I don't think Terry Funk was in that rumble after all, so I, I, think remember, so. if I remember correctly, I don't think he showed up. Yeah, uh, maybe his horse was sick again. God dang it, Vinny, I gotta go home. My horse is sick. If you don't oh. let me, I'm gonna tell everyone your mother's a whore. Dang it. <laughs> All right. But yeah. Well, uh, you can't get them both. Selfish. Oh, I know. Uh, speaking of the Royal Rumble, by the way, Vic Venom, who uh, this, this article calls Vince Russo doing a Mark Madden gimmick. Uh, predicted on, predicted on gimmick TV. that crap. Oh, I know. You see Mark Madden, and you're like, I want to be that. <laughs> <laughs> Holy uh, crap! Shoot for the stars, oh man. God. Oh, uh, but, that one but, got uh, me. I want to be that. <laughs> <laughs> but Vic Venom predicted on television that Bret Hart will win the Royal Rumble, and apparently this got him a lot of crap because. I guess he knew that, I'm, well, he did. He knew that Bret Hart was going to win the Royal Rumble. And they're like, why the hell would you say that on TV? He's like, well, you know, I'm, I'm the smart guy, and it looks obvious that he's going to win. So, you know, I was, they're like, yeah, but, like, come on. And, and he said, you know, and he makes it seem so obvious on TV the way he said it. He's like, well, it's clearly going to be Bret Hart. I mean, come on. There's not even another option. And they're like, dude, oh, really? Well, the next paper, you, there were four options, so. Yeah, right. <laughs> As of, uh. As of December 31st, by the way, the WWF had sold around 13,500 tickets for the Royal Rumble, 
which would be a great advanced number for a normal show, but they are still a long way away from the 71,000 needed to sell out the Alamo Dome. Don't the worry, atten- Audible's coming. <laughs> well, the total attendance ended up being 60,477. So they were <laughs> about uh, 1,000, like uh, 1,500, I'd say, off from a sellout. Which, is, I mean, it's pretty damn respectable. You get 60,000 crammed into the Alamo Dome. So. Well, I mean that. I mean, I'm wondering if that's why they made the audible and Shawn Michaels is in the main event. Uh, I mean, I think Pritchard had said they booked the Alamo Dome with the plans of Shawn being in the right. main event, but they didn't then, announce it till after right. In Your House It's Time, I believe. Yeah. So they, I don't know if they were like assume, like hoping people would just assume, hey, Shawn's going to be in the main event. But I don't know. Uh, here's one that struck me because again i forget about timelines so this kind of stuff helps uh wwf shotgun saturday night is scheduled to debut in a few days and still very little is known about the show or the concept this this says that the debut episode will air from the mirage nightclub at 610 west 56th street in manhattan Mm -hmm. didn't you i thought you said that they that they were in grand central they were i don't think it was the debut though Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, well, the show will be more risque than usual WWF stuff, and but uh, nothing quite as extreme as ECW. They're trying to get Thank celebrities. To, <laughs> they're trying to get celebrities to appear in order to create an aura that the show is the new quote in thing uh, to do on Saturday nights in New York. <laughs> well, how'd that go? Yeah, spoiler alert: that uh, the show didn't last. You know, this might sound familiar. They turned into a show called uh, Saturday Night Jacked, I believe. Wow. Yeah, I think I remember that. I mean, I don't remember watching it. I remember it being a thing, though. Ugh. Yeah. So, I I mean, nothing really came out of this other than a toy line and <laughs> Terry Funk calling uh, somebody's mother a whore on yeah. a live mic. So I think um, they put Brian Pillman on commentary, too. And I don't think I have to tell you yeah. how that went. <laughs> Look, no offense to Brian Pillman, but like he has a voice that sounds like he eats glass. <laughs> and I'm look, I know he had a medical condition, so I'm not insulting him about that. I'm just pointing out, you know, when a guy has a medical condition where his voice sounds like that, probably don't put him on commentary. That's right in the book of bad ideas, right with uh, putting John Laurinaitis on commentary, or you know, putting John Laurinaitis in anything. John Laurinaitis. John Laurinaitis is here for people power. <laughs> He sounds like the principal on Beavis and Butthead. <laughs> That's like the second time you've made that reference to me, and I still don't get it. Yeah, you got to watch it. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, this was uh, Shotgun Saturday Night was one of them things like, according to Bruce Pritchard, like uh, he like Vince McMahon did this a few times where he'd he'd get this in his head where he wants, you know, gritty and raw and everything. And then once he gets it, he's like, God dang, dress it up. That sucked. Yeah, well, like, they did it with Monday Night Raw in the Manhattan Center. He said the whole thing was it was supposed to look gritty, and, I mean, they called it Raw for a reason. And then Shotgun Saturday Night, and it's just, I mean, Raw lasted longer in the Manhattan Center than this lasted, so. How do you call a show taking place in what looks like a hotel ballroom gritty? Yeah, I don't know. He's like, well, it's it's Raw, it's live, anything can happen. It's like, yeah, but you're, like, pre-taped. So it's not raw and gritty. But here's one, man. 
A fan has filed a lawsuit against Shawn Michaels in the WWF. She claims that after a match, Shawn was walking back to the dressing room. She yelled insults at him, and she claims that Shawn slapped her. At the first hearing, the fan showed up in court with a neck brace on. Good Lord. Uh, on the WWF hotline, Jim Ross said that the WWF had tape had uh, had a tape that shows Sean going from the ring to the back through the curtain and at no point ever slapped anyone. So the next hearing is going to take place next month. Pretty sure nothing happened. This is the first I ever heard of this. So I don't think anything happened, but yeah, everybody's always trying to get money out of somebody, man. Like you got slapped. So you show up. Oh, I'm in a neck brace. Oh, my, my, my neck, <laughs> my ass. He broke it. It's got a crack in it. What the hell? <laughs> Uh, it's just always something, man. It's like for Pete freaking sake. It's America, and he, dude. And you know people are filming this, right? I mean, maybe it was a house show and she thought the cameras weren't rolling, but uh, whatever. I think nowadays it'd be a lot harder, even more, because everybody's got a damn cell phone. Yep. Oh. Yeah, Oh, for sure. Uh, the Executioner, better known as Terry Gordy, uh, probably won't be around much longer. They didn't Father of Slime Master Jay, by the way. For God's sake. But they didn't angle where Paul Bearer turned on him on TV. No, I mean, I was I was devastated. I don't know what happened. Like, because I mean, not that I was following the career of, you know, what happened to the freaking executioner. But I honestly don't remember turning on him. I don't even remember what happened to him. Like when we were reviewing Survivor Series and I was like, oh, yeah, he's there. I'm like, when did he leave? <laughs> like, I really did. I'm like. Well, in, in your defense with that, uh, the article did say Bear turned on him and they were filming it for TV. But it was all pre-recorded, and Uncle Dave said, well, it happened in the at the taping, but I don't know if it's even going to make air. If it did, I missed it, but... Yeah, so maybe it didn't make air, and they just filmed this, and it was like, you know what, we'll just write you off TV and let you go on your merry way. Did they happen to rip his mask off at all, do you know? <laughs> no, I don't think so. I'm just they, like, that would have made a little bit of sense, you know, I just... I, they didn't want anybody to know that uh, it was Terry Gordy, I guess. I think it was more of a, you know, trying to protect him. It was like, well, we'll give you a job. We don't want to, you know, spill the beans. Hey, you're Terry Gordy, and you're just kind of another dude on the roster. I don't know. Okay, I mean, no disrespect, but when was Terry Gordy ever a big thing on the roster, on any roster? <laughs> uh, world champion, or uh, world class. He was a big thing there. But, I mean, I know I'm going No, he was, part of a, he was part of a team there. He was, was a big thing. thing. Well, I uh, uh, maybe not individually, but uh, in in uh, all Japan, he was a pretty big deal, I guess. He was, I the two people the two people that you like to crap on him and Doctor Death were like huge in all Japan as a tag team. Yeah, they did bring him over to WCW. I remember that too. Apparently, they were like one of the most like dominant teams in the history of the company. They they were. They had like two of their titles at once. I remember that. Yeah. So. If anybody like Uncle Dave Meltzer watched uh, All Japan religiously in the 90s, yeah, then you know who he is, and you're probably a fan. Or maybe you hated him, I don't know. Speaking of someone we're not a fan of, uh, the WWF announced the Honky Tonk Man is coming in to be a manager for someone, but uh, no word on who it will be yet. Do you remember who it was? Ah, the the, uh, future Mr. Ass. (laughs) It is uh, Rockabilly. He tried Rocky Maivia. It's like, cause that would have been, been great. 
Yeah. Man, can you imagine if that one's stuck? <laughs> yeah, right. Oh, man. I see dollar signs. I see asses in seats, man. Yeah, right. Well, no asses in seats, but he did have an ass man. That's true. So, I just like how Rockabilly seemed the beginning of it is just him going. Oh, my God. <laughs> I do. I'm like, so, like, well, at the beginning of his music, he's getting ate by global warming. Is that what <laughs> I, I always thought that it sounded like uh, he just sat on a cold toilet seat. But... <laughs> what the hell? I mean, whatever. <laughs> this was, uh, this is, this is probably my most favorite story for out of the WWF at this time, just because it made me chuckle the way that they put this. They said, Hunter Hearst Helmsley's new theme music is Beethoven's Ninth Symph- Symphony, for anyone wondering. It's also the theme song to end the NBC show, Suddenly Susan. <laughs> wow. wow. You know, That's the what they... time I thought it was joyful, joyful. Uh, yeah, I think it sounds similar. Uh-uh. Beethoven's Ninth Symphony. I just love how they're like, it's Beethoven's Ninth, Ninth Symphony. By the way, it's also, also the theme to this uh, very 90s sitcom. <laughs> Here's one that's equally funny. The WWF is planning to add a European championship soon with the initial tournament brawl taking place in Germany in February. Yeah, man. Yeah. I so. just, that title started out meaning something. And then, like, I think I think it died when Triple H and Sean traded on that Christmas episode. Uh, yeah. yeah it just Well, and, and they just made a habit of burying the title on TV. I like, remember vividly. My favorite European title mention ever was when Undertaker was facing Austin. And mm-hmm. if Austin lost or Austin won, Vince McMahon was gone. If he lost, Austin can never get a shot at the title again. And like on Sunday Night Heat before the show, Vince is teasing and going, well, you know, if he when when Austin loses, he can challenge for the European title. Uh, excuse the prestigious European title. <laughs> like, holy crap. Dude. My favorite. <laughs> you the owner just bury the hell out of it. My favorite was by Shawn Michaels. I can't remember what event it was, but he was uh, it was going to be a non-title match. And he was being interviewed in the back. And he's like, well, I, for one, am just, uh, you know, happy that this match is not for my very coveted, prestigious European title. I want to say I want to <laughs> say that feels like it was bad blood. Probably. <laughs> I feel like he didn't have a promo in Montreal. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I was just like, wow, you're an a-hole. Dude. He just buried the freaking title he's carrying. I'm going to have to go back and look, but I'm trying to figure out if he came out with it at In Your House DX. He did. He did. Okay. Yeah, yeah. He came out with two titles. Uh, getting out of uh, WWF and more into the uh, independence here, Jerry Jarrett has sold his 50% of USWA to Jerry Lawler, making Lawler the sole owner of the Nashville Territory. Yeah, uh, you know. Or the Mem- Memphis, excuse me. Well, you know, Jerry, uh, you know, huh? You know, I, I, I'm going to enjoy my retirement with chicken salad. Uh, well, you know, I like how this this story, by the way, was followed by. Well, Jerry Jarrett sold 50 percent of the USWA to Jerry Lawler, and he is out of the wrestling business forever. <laughs> you know, uh, up pops 2001 and he's going into business with his son. Well, you know, well, you know, you know, TNA, huh? Yeah, and if you listen to Jerry Jarrett's shoot interviews, and my God, I suggest you do. <laughs> uh, oh, some sarcasm there. Yeah, well, he uh, he puts himself over a lot. I'll, I'll say that. No, uh, I know. Uh, but according to him, 
Jerry, or uh, excuse me, Jeff Jarrett basically begged Jerry to go into into business with him, which I, I, I wouldn't like believe begging per se, but I mean, who would, you know, if, if you know your dad has been a successful wrestling promoter for a semi-successful wrestling promoter in the past and you have a chance to work with him, I mean, why not, you know? So yeah. I, I could see that. Uh, last one from the quote-unquote independents here. Former Smoky Mountain wrestling wrestler Bruiser Bedlam, also known as Johnny Canine, was arrested by Toronto police as part of a major drug and weapons bust worth $12 million. Bedlam was, oh, believed, Bedlam was believed to be the leader of the gang. Johnny Canine? Yep. Wow. That sounds yeah. like a name you get in like a video game or like as your undercard opponent. <laughs> he was like a legit like gangster. I mean, as you can tell by the story. Well, it was and, either that or a complete joke. One of the two. <laughs> yeah. Well, everybody, uh, if, if anybody gets the chance and they haven't listened to Jim Cornette talk about him, because like I said, he was in Smoky Mountain. So Cornette knew him pretty well. Uh, <laughs> Cornette was like, he was always really nice and respectful to me. Never caused any problems in the locker room, but I had heard that he killed people. <laughs> I'm like, what the hell? That's not uh, like he a only, sidebar. He only, kills, he only kills socially. Okay, it's fine. Yeah, it's like, oh, I, he, and he, apparently he had a butt ton of uh, prison tats. So I, was, I am shocked. That's the, yeah. Man. I know. It, some of them were like Aryan tattoos. He's like, well, I had to get them to fit in a prison. It's like, so you get Aryan tattoos? What the hell, man? <laughs> Uh, just yeah so either way uh finally we're gonna close some close off here with some ecw there wasn't really any wcw news really around this time nothing of like major note i think it's because we're in december and they're rounding up uh, winding up their year yeah everybody was one of the few companies that actually had their major show it, actually maybe the only company in december it's like this was the end so both Request Television and Viewer's Choice announced this week that they were canceling ECW's scheduled pay-per-view for this spring. Request's president said that they were ending its deal with ECW after learning of some of the things about ECW that he wasn't aware of. Viewer's Choice said that they made the decision due to unease over the ECW product, specifically the angle with Sandman's young son, Tyler, being a Raven disciple and with uh, Lori Fullington's character basically being Raven's slut. I use that word because that's what he referred to her as on television. He said he wanted the dirtiest, nastiest, most disgusting slut in the world. And he got Sam and his wife. Well, that's that's lovely. Yeah. every like They had this, this running thing where they kept bringing him women every week. And he's like, she's not slutty enough. Get her out of here. And, <laughs> finally, and finally, he settled on Sam and his wife. So, ha <laughs> slut jokes. Yay. Uh, anyway, even if the show doesn't air on pay-per-view, Heyman is still planning to run a major show on April 13th with the long-awaited Taz, Sabu, and Raven-Terry Funk matches as the main events. <sighs> I feel like I remember on the Rise and Fall of ECW, by the way, Paul Heyman specifically says they canceled it because of the mass transit incident. Well, funny you should mention that, actually, because this next thing, uh, Request TV's president, Hugh Pinero made the decision to cancel the ECW pay-per-view after finding out about the mass transit incident a few weeks ago where New Jack bladed a 17-year-old kid nearly ear-to-ear. Panero also learned about the 1995 incident where fire got out of control and the lights were turned out, causing a panic and burning some fans. 
I hate to laugh at that. I really do. I don't know if this is the one man, uh, that Mick Foley talked about in his book with Terry Funk. Do you know what I'm talking about? Mm, I do. I don't know if that's the one either. For those that don't know, uh, Terry Funk used to, his braining iron, he would wrap, he, he would tie like a rag to the end of it, soak it in kerosene, and then light it. And he would like brand people or whatever. Well, he's whipping it around his head one night like an idiot, and it goes <laughs> flying. Like the he didn't tie it tight enough, and the, the damn rag goes flying and lands on people in the crowd and starts on fire. Just... Yeah, I like how you said, like an idiot. <laughs> like, well, that's kind of redundant, but... That's the most ECW thing I've ever heard, <laughs> along with blading a 17-year-old. Keep in mind uh, that Jake's uh, Python Damien never got in the crowd, but that did. Right. And the snake could do whatever it wanted. <laughs> right, yeah, I know. Well, that fire incident, along with multiple incidents of fans and wrestlers getting into fights and other typical ECW stuff all led to that decision. And people wonder why I hate that crappy company. (laughs) Well, after a week, it's not wrestling. Okay. It was a sideshow. Well, after a week of negotiations, Paul Heyman is said to be quote, cautiously optimistic that ECW will be able to work out a deal with request TV to air their planned first ever pay-per-view in April. They do. I think they, yeah, I was gonna say, I think they did. Uh, I like Paul <sighs> Heyman's uh, like thing about it. He goes, Well, we have to be on at 9 p.m., can't be on at 8 p.m., like everybody else. And and then he's like, Well, you know, because at seven to nine, they're airing the hardcore porn, so that's more better than <laughs> what the hell. Uh, uh, well, it's not the hardcore porn, it's the softcore porn, Greg. Yeah, you film it from behind, all right, and don't get my genitals. It's more Christian that way. Oh my god, <laughs> the hell. <laughs> That's what it is. I never understood softcore porn. It makes no sense to me. I'm like, eh. like this is really this is so on the chopping floor right now. Uh, <laughs> no, this this fits right in with the ECW product, especially during this time. So, but all right, uh, that about does it for the news and notes. We're going to dive right into Starcade 1996 when we come back on the other side of this here break. <laughs> Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at main event underscore marks and Facebook at facebook.com forward slash main event marks pod. The been thinking about McDonald's all day. Can't get it off my mind. I can already taste it. Ooh, got my mind on my mouth and my mouth ready for some Mickey D's deal. There's a deal for every moment at McDonald's. Right now, get two of your favorites for just $3.50. Mix and match a classic McChicken, a hot and spicy McChicken, or a juicy McDouble. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. Single item at regular price. Now, back to our program. All right, we are diving into WCW Starcade 1996. While everybody else in the world thought this was the big one, Eric Bischoff and Tony Giovanni said, no, 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 no. Our big yearly show was Halloween Havoc. Which yeah, I we all know we- the big the big show this month, though, was in your house. It's time, right? Was that 96? Yeah. So, yeah, because yeah, 97 was DX. Yeah, this For is God's the big one. Sake, nobody ever called an in-your-house, quote, the big one. All right? <laughs> the NXT special on Wednesday uh, a couple weeks ago was the biggest in-your-house ever. Yeah. Good grief. But this took place December 29th, 1996. Tagline was, not your typical warm, fuzzy holiday special. That's a hell of a tagline, man. What but was the, the date on this? Is this the one that's post-Christmas? No, yeah, yeah, it's December 29th. Yeah. 
So it's right it's right before New Year's. So uh, the venue was the Nashville Municipal Auditorium in Nashville, Tennessee. They were there quite a bit, like quite a few years in a row, I want to say. I've actually heard Carmack call him on that, and he insists it wasn't anything to do with rent. It was just logistics. So that's weird. Like they didn't even try. I mean, if you look at it back in the territory days, they were it was like Greensville Coliseum, Greensville Coliseum, Greensville Coliseum, Omni, Greensville Coliseum, Omni, and then they switch it up and go to the UIC Pavilion. And then they kind of jump around after that. But if you look... They always hang around New England, though, always. Yeah. Well, and then uh, 94, 95, 96 were all in the Nashville Municipal Auditorium. And then the next four were in the MCI Center in Washington, D.C. Which was actually a real arena. Yeah. Yeah, this was, you know, an auditorium. But anyway, uh, the attendance was 9,030, which I guess was okay. They hadn't... I mean, they were getting hot, but they weren't. Is that a like, sellout? Uh, capacity I'm seeing was uh, between 9,700 and 8,000. 8, so, and that that's for basketball, though. So, for wrestling, it was probably a sellout. I mean, with how much they hyped this match, uh, it should have been. Yeah. Uh, right. looking, looking at it, too, like watching it on TV, I didn't see an empty chair, so. Yeah, the pay-per-view buy rate was 0.95, which was 38,000 buys. That's pretty pretty respectable for that. 380,000. Please tell me you mean that, not 38,000. Yes, the 380,000. Oh, Jesus. I'm like, oh, my God. Yeah. Th- oh, thank yeah. <laughs> Thanks for calling me on that one because, yeah, the other number would have been bad. <laughs> 380,000 buys, yes, for a 0.95. Uh, the commentary team for the night was the classic threesome of Tony Schiavone, Dusty Rhodes, and Bobby the Brain Heenan. And I don't know t- about you, I love that team. Or that trio. Oh yeah, I, I did too. But the opening match of the night was uh, a banger, like you were saying. It was for the WCW Cruiserweight, well, it was a Cruiserweight title unification match. It was the WCW Cruiserweight champion, Dean Malenko, versus the Ultimo Dragon with Sonny Ono in his corner. He was the J-Cup, uh, J or J-Crown, yeah, the J-Crown champion. So he had eight belts championships pal um one of my first notes is why does he have two nwa titles ah like he had two ten pounds of gold titles on his shoulders when he came out it looked like Uh, the exact same thing i think it was probably i'm gonna say two weight classes belts because uh down in down in mexico i think it's cmll or triple a one of them all their titles look exactly the same it's like the ufc they all look the same they're just for different weight classes okay so I think that was part of it because he had they said he had belts from Mexico and Japan and America. So or or maybe it was just Mexico and Japan and he was trying to win an American belt here. But this went for 18 minutes, 30 seconds. You know, with D. Malenko and Ultimo Dragon going just shy of 20 minutes, it's going to be damn good. I, I didn't notice this before, but they did a close up. Dean Dean Malenko clearly had neck surgery before this because he's got a huge scar from the top of his shoulder blades all the way up to the base of his skull. Wow. I never saw that. Yeah. Like if you, now that I told you that if you go back and look, it's a huge visible scar. It even like goes up into his hairline. You can see like he's got um, part of his hair missing where the scar goes up. I didn't know he ever had neck surgery. 
But uh, anyway, Sonny Ono distracts Malenko, getting him to break the Texas Cloverleaf at one point. In the end, Dragon wins with a bridging tiger suplex. Uncle Dave gave this four and a half stars. I gave it three and a half. What say you? I I gave it four. I was borderline five, man. I'm gonna. I don't know if I've ever said this or off the bat. Best match of the night. <laughs> ah, wow. Uh, yeah. yeah. Don't get me wrong. Real. There's some great matches. I mean, it's like, man, this was just amazing. I mean, for me, and I'm not saying this in a negative way. I'm saying it in a positive way. When they all blur together for me with like so many great matches, that's a that's a good sign for 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 the show as a whole. Yeah, this uh, this is a forgotten great match we saw in a previous show. I can't remember which. I think it was World War Three, ninety nine. Where is Alex Wright in him? Uh, Ultimate Dragon. Some some former WCW show we reviewed, but that that match kind of sucked. But this one, man, Dragon got to show what he could do. Malenko is always on top of his game. So it was good stuff. Up yeah, next, I I couldn't figure out which one was the better wrestler here. <laughs> right. Yeah. And it wasn't a styles clash either, because Malenko knew how to work Japanese style. Uh, Malenko, or, uh, Dragon knew how to work multiple styles. So it was it, it was really good. They they were both world-class athletes, I'll say that. Uh, but up next, we get uh, Akira Hokuto uh, with Sunny Ono and Kensuke Sasaki in her corner. She's taking on Medusa in the finals of the WCW Women's World Title Tournament. <laughs> Well, before you even start the match, I got to point out, did you notice that Sonny Ono came out right, came out again, obviously? Yeah. Like, I feel like he changed his jacket at, like, Gorilla or something real quick. I think he was changing it on his way to the ring. Yeah, was he? He I, walked, I must yeah, have missed he, that then. I just, I, I saw him, I re- I'm like, what the hell? He's got, like, a complete different look. Yeah, I know. Yeah, because I, I remember, I, I think I remember him walking to the ring at one point. It was probably this match. He was walking to the ring, putting on a jacket. And I'm like, good grief. I've seen uh, I've seen Jimmy Hart do similar stuff. So, and like you pointed out before, Japanese must have Sonny Ono in your corner. Hell yeah, that's the Japanese guy, man. Yep. And apparently, Kensuke Sasaki was Akira Hokuto's uh, actual like real life husband, and they talk about it on commentary. So uh, this match went just shy or uh, just over seven minutes. Kenny Powers, a.k.a. Nick Patrick, was the referee for this match. And I say Kenny Powers because if uh, he he's full-on Danny McBride mode right here, man. The mustache, that sweet-ass thick mullet going, <laughs> two earrings in the ears. Like, damn, bro. Did he have his, tapes, his fist taped? I forget. No, I don't think so. But he had, when he joined uh, the NWO, he always had his fist taped. Like, he's a badass. He's going to get into a fight. Yeah, like, you haven't fought anybody ever. <laughs> Wasn't his dad a wrestler? or? A... Yeah, it was that, we were watching that match. It was that big, like, overweight dude with the mask. Uh, oh, he was the a assassin. manager? Yeah, yeah, the assassin, yeah. Okay. Who, by the way, was a trainer at the WCW power plant, so just keeping it all in the family, man. But, yeah, Nick Patrick seemed like, I felt bad for the women in this match because Nick Patrick was, like, the, the focus of commentary throughout this whole damn match. Because he was the NWO referee, and they're like, "Oh, is he going to screw somebody over? Is he going well, to stick for the heels?" He flat out said he wasn't, but we knew he was. Right. That was the thing. I think that was the thing. Not defending him, just saying, just yeah. Well, Lee Marshall was on commentary for this one, filling in for Mike Tanay. I, 
I didn't know that he was a wrestling aficionado, but yeah, I suddenly want whatever. some uh, frosted flakes. Yeah, right. That would have been would have been hilarious. They would have if they would have been like, "Hey, uh, hey, Lee, what do you think of that match? It was great." <laughs> <laughs> to finish the match behind the referee's back, Sonny Ono blasts Medusa in the back with the USA flag. This allows Hokuto or Hokuto to hit a missile front drop kick and a Northern Lights bomb or a snowplow, whatever you want to call it, and she gets a win. Uncle Dave gave this one and one-fourth star. Look, I graded this on a curve because the level of women's wrestling we saw in 97 was very low in America. I gave it three stars for the women. What say you? (laughs) I gave it one, man. I thought this thing sucked. Really? I thought these two had great chemistry, and... (sighs) I, I don't know. I was and it I was ended a, with man on woman violence. Are we gonna pass that up? <laughs> uh, I mean, well, what with uh, Sonny Ono? Yeah, hit it with the flag. Back? Yeah, yeah, I know. I don't know. Well, I was, was gonna pass because he didn't use his hands to use an object or what? <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, he was also half her size, so and and Medusa I'm gonna leave like, that obvious joke alone. <laughs> Medusa Medusa wasn't a large woman either. Sonny Ono is just a little dude. He is a little dude. Large He's still around. She was pretty built. She could have ripped him in half, probably. Oh, I'm sure she could have. If anybody wants, like, good Medusa stuff, I mean, if you look up some of her stuff from All Japan Women's Wrestling, she was really good over there. Uh, did a lot with Bull Nakano, Akira Hokuto, or, or Hokuto, whatever. I can never get her name right. It's one of the two. Yeah. Linus, Asuka, you know, people like that. I mean, she did a lot of good stuff over there. So if you want real good women's wrestling involving Medusa, like, she made me a fan of hers uh, seeing some of that stuff. But anyway, up next, Diamond Dallas Page is hanging out in the back being interviewed for WCW.com. He's still smoking cigars and wearing jewelry. So he hadn't quite I'm kicked all the I'm almost certain that's about to go away. Like, we're talking oh, like, well, right after yeah. this. Like, yep, maybe they... even as early as the next night. Oh, yeah. Well, we'll... Uh, We'll talk about the setup for all that uh, stuff later on, too, because uh, there is a setup, man. Backstage, Mean Gene Okerlund is interviewing Rowdy Roddy Piper, asking him what he's going to do against Hollywood Hogan. Piper starts off by putting over Hogan's size and his tan and saying that he's the underdog because he's a midget. He says, Sky Lolo, me right there. <laughs> for those that don't know, Sky Lolo was a... And I'm going to use the word because this is what they called him, but, you know, the, this was... What they call him. He was a wrestling midget, and he was one of the bigger names, too. But anyway, after this, God, Piper... Was that, an, uh, was that like a, a pun on, on purpose? or What? Wrestling midget? And then you said he was pretty big? I mean, never mind. Oh, I get it. Yeah. Uh-huh. Hey, you said uh, it. I know. But after this, Piper puts over the various legends, saying that he and Hogan are the only two icons left in the business, and says he's had to fight for everything he's got in life. This was just another Piper nonsensical promo. When I was younger, I used to think he was good at promos. As I'm as I got older, I just realized that he just sounded really serious when he said his goofy crap. Sounded serious, looked serious, had the mannerisms, so Yeah, but he just said complete garbage nonsense. And most of the time he usually made racist comments. So <laughs> yeah. My favorite um, one was at WrestleMania. 21 he called austin the son of an unnamed goat i'm like what the hell does that mean <laughs> what the hell because you know all goats have names well yeah 
Uh, Chris Jericho, uh, Rey Mysterio. Oh, uh, uh, sorry, wrong ghost. Tom Brady. Ah, uh, never mind. Anyway, Natalia. Uh, <laughs> nope. Wait, she's the boat. <laughs> never mind. Yeah. Mean Gene asks, "What about your hip?" Because uh, Piper just had hip surgery. Piper responds by hopping on one leg out of the room, and Gene nearly breaks laughing. <laughs> That's another thing of his too. The stuff he did. Yeah, this uh, it's just. I thought he was going to hyperventilate during this promo, by the way, because as he's talking, he kept taking uh, breath. No! I'm like, do you need your defibrillator right now, dude? Yeah, I'm like, are you going to be able to make it? I feel like this was worse than, it? like, ever. Yeah, I'm like, are you going to be able to make it during this match, bro? You're already even Owen. It's a good thing Nashville's not at altitude, right? <laughs> right. Uh, this next match is actually what I referenced at the top of the show. It's Jushin Thunder Liger versus Rey Mysterio Jr., it went 14 minutes, 16 seconds. I actually have a Mattel figure of that Rey Mysterio. Which you remember? It's, uh, he's half white, half black, and he's got like red trim. Oh, yeah, I got that one right here on my wall. Yeah. I didn't know that was the event that fortune. was from. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't know that's the event this, that uh, that attire was from, but uh, it's nice to know that now. This was actually their first meeting ever, by the way. They put that over that uh, these two have never wrestled before. So that was kind of cool. Well, uh, speaking of that, one of my first notes is I forgot that they only use Tanae on uh, cruiserweight commentary usually. Yeah. Well, and it had to, it, not just cruiserweight commentary, but somebody had to be from outside of the U S that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I said, uh, Liker must've forgotten that he was in America for a moment because he didn't get in before the 10 count. For those, <laughs> that don't, for those that don't know, they have a 20 count over in Japan. Uh, but More Mysterio like in, in AEW, yeah. Uh, but Mysterio slides in, he breaks the count, and he tells the ref to quit counting because he doesn't want to win via countout. So they cover that up, you know, for uh, for Liger, <laughs> Liger's laps there. But in the end, Liger wins with a Liger bomb into a pin. Th- this is kind of the pattern throughout the night. If you haven't noticed, the Japanese just win everything. So almost like uh, they have to. Yeah, and they kept putting over, this is right before the, it wasn't yet Wrestle Kingdom, but it was their big Tokyo Dome show in January. Where and, every match is seven stars, yeah, that one. Yeah, so they're building up to that. Uh, Uncle Dave gave this three and three-fourth stars. I gave it three stars, what say you? I gave it three, I loved it. Yeah, I thought this was really good, especially for the like first it, meeting. I did feel like it was something missing, though. Yeah, I feel you. I, <clears throat> I'm kind of in the same boat. What am I craving here? What, what am I missing? Well, you know, uh, Jushin Thunder Liger, you and I saw him live at the TakeOver Brooklyn 1. His only WWE appearance ever, by the way. Right. That got me more hyped for Brooklyn. <laughs> uh, up next, we've got Chris Benoit with Woman in his corner, taking on Jeff Jarrett in a no disqualification match. This went just shy of 14 minutes. I said the crowd is booing everything that Jarrett does even though Benoit is supposed to be the heel here. Uh, before we even start, there was a moment during the entrance where they focus on a fan with glasses. Do you remember that part? No. Dusty Rhodes said something, and I'm like, my God, does he realize what he just said? He said, and I rewound it twice. I'm like, is this what he said? He did say this. He said, that guy looks like a homeless guy from Long Beach. What? Like, <laughs> it's what he called the fan. <laughs> Good grief. He sounds like one of those homeless from Long Beach. Why is he insulting fans? I don't know. He's supposed to be the babyface announcer. What the hell? 
Oh, good he grief. is two years away from turning heel, so. Yeah, he's setting up for us. <laughs> Him in his giant red leather jacket. Uh, but anyway, near the end of the match, Arn Anderson walks to the ring, and he just like walks past Chris Benoit. Keep in mind, the whole thing, the storyline here is Jeff Jarrett's trying to get into the Horseman. Ric Flair gave Jeff Jarrett his blessing to be in the Horseman, but the other Horseman said, nah, he's got to earn it. So that's the whole thing going on here. And Arn Anderson walks by fellow horseman, Chris Benoit, and just kind of glares at him. And he walks into the corner of Jarrett. Well, Conan and Hugh Morris of the Dungeon of Doom, in which, yes, was still a thing in 96. And yes, Conan was in it dressed like a paisa. <laughs> and uh, Hugh Morris had like shade. He, he almost had like uh, Braun Strowman's former haircut. Yeah. Also, he used to be huge, man. I'm looking at him. Yeah. Yeah, he was uh, a large. He, he lost it all. I mean, good for him, but. I know. I, I mean, at first I didn't even realize who the hell it was. I'm like, damn, that guy's huge. He looked like PN News. Do you remember PN News? Yes, unfortunately. <laughs> he looked like that because he had the green on. Yeah, he uh, yeah, he was a big boy. But, you know, he hadn't quite taken his his uh, his Christian given name, which was uh, General Huge Erection. That's right. Yeah, his government yeah. name. Right. But anyway, uh, they, they, the Dungeon of Doom rushes out and they grab woman trying to kidnap her. Uh, meanwhile, Arn Anderson hits a DDT on Jeff Jarrett outside of the ring for a double cross, while Kevin Sullivan blasts Chris Benoit with a, a wooden chair inside the ring, disintegrating the chair. And, okay, like, what the hell, man? Cause I remember well, watching this when I was a kid, by the way, and never buying Jarrett as a horseman. Like it was the dumbest crap ever, and I just felt like it was never going to happen because like, they kept playing it out or dragging it out. It's like, oh, is he? Is he not? Is he? Is he not? Right. Like he's not, and we all know it. <laughs> yeah, he's eventually going back to the WWF. We all know it. <laughs> he can't stay in one back place to long CW. enough. <laughs> yeah. I just uh, th- my thing here was like either. I'm, I'm going to say it was like the, the wrestlers should have been paying better attention. And production obviously needed to pay better attention because the DDT outside the ring and the chair shot inside the ring happened at at the exact same time. And they focused on the DDT and I completely missed the chair shot because at first I had to rewind it because I was like, wait, what the hell happened to Benoit inside the ring? I don't think that would be a production fail, honestly. Yeah. I mean, the wrestlers really need to pay better attention. Right. Yeah. And they weren't going to do split screen. So although WCW was famous for that. Yeah. Unfortunately, because yeah, it was always so. during a Nasty Boys match too. Because you know, if there's any guys you don't want to lose track of in a match, it's the Nasty Boys. <laughs> right, both moving at half the speed of smell. <laughs> but either way, uh, yeah. So there was a DDT outside the ring, chair shot in the ring. Both men are out, but Anderson picks up Jarrett, rolls him in the ring. He didn't see what happened inside the ring, but he rolls Jarrett in, and Jarrett rolls over and lays an arm across <sighs> Benoit for the three count. Jarrett wins. And Anderson is ticked. Uh, Uncle Dave, I thought that was so stupid. Yeah, the ending the ending was really and bad. You hit him on the outside of the DVT. Why don't you just let him get counted out? Yeah, I know. Like, what the hell? I don't mean to bring logic into it. Sorry. <laughs> and it's like you don't look in the ring before you just roll the guy in. All right. Uh, by the way, I forgot to mention that while like Conan's holding woman and. 
Hugh Morris is just like talking trash and laughing at her, and she kicks him right in the giblets. Wow. So it's, that's how she gets away. He kicked him right in the huge erection. <laughs> right, yeah, and that was no laughing matter. <laughs> <laughs> but Uncle wow. Uncle Dave gave this three and a half stars. I gave it three stars because I thought the match itself was one of the better ones I've seen Jarrett have in WCW. But yeah, I mean, it was Chris Benoit. So anyway, what do you give it? I gave it two. I thought it was decent. You weren't into it? I was not feeling it, no. Yeah, man. I, I dug it. I really did. They had some the... better matches, honestly, those two. Well, yeah. I, Metro. I, I haven't seen those. Uh, Jarrett had some pretty good matches around this era in WCW. So he really stepped it up, with, and he had some good dance partners. So, But Arn Anderson and Woman argue after the match for a bit before Arn just leaves. Mean Gene tries to interview him. Uh, at the top of the ramp, uh, Anderson blows him off. Jarrett walks past Gene, blowing him off. And then he tries to get a word with Benoit and Woman. They won't speak to him either. Finally, you know, if you want an interview, Greg, you know, he, he scored the top guy. Steve Mongo McMichael comes out with Deborah. <laughs> Before Ma- you even say it, I'm just going to say it right off the bat. My note for this was, my God, he manages to get worse on the mic every time I see him or hear him. <laughs> well, and then he has to mention his football career, too, every single time. Because we yeah. all care about the monsters of the Midway and 1989 and Five. Chicago. Five? I thought it was 89. 85. Oh, okay. 89 85. was the Niners, I believe. Okay. Well, they, okay. That makes it even worse. We are now <laughs> 11 years removed. So. Okay. To be fair, though, I know you say that you're not wrong, but to be really fair, Bears fans are still living off that, okay? <laughs> Uh, yeah, well, <laughs> either way, uh, Mongo says a woman's got Benoit weak, and Deborah says that Jarrett is a winner, but Benoit and woman are losers, and they don't deserve to be involved with horsemen. Just when I thought Mongo was the worst promo of the two, she opens her mouth. Yeah, she her whole promo consisted of, like, just, I guess there was real-life heat between her and Nancy Benoit, so... Well, all did you stuff. ever notice she always called her, like, she always talked about her weight or her looks in every promo? And... Yeah, and she didn't call her woman. She called her Nancy, which nobody else did, just her. So she kept referring, it, it was like she wasn't even referring to her wrestling character. She's referring to her as a person. And she crapped on her. She talked about how beautiful she was, and all the men wanted to be with her, and all this other. It was just, uh, it was a rambling, terrible promo. Just both of them were like the terrible promo twins, like, yeah, but when you you got to give them an out because you know they both suck. So it's like, okay, that's business as usual. Yep. And then WWF saw something in Deborah and they brought her in. Well, we know no, they, they saw, saw two her, things but... in her. <laughs> Good lord. Am I uh, wrong? No, you're not. But we're moving on here. Moving we now here. see we now see footage of how the New World Order has been trying to lure Sting to their side, but nobody really knows where Sting's allegiances lie. For Sting like really developed what we now know is the, the sting face paint. He was still going with a wholesale crow ripoff. Wholesale crow. <laughs> if anybody goes back and watches the a little crow bit more than Brandon 99 Lee, cents. Good grief. If anybody goes back and watches the crow with Brandon Lee, I mean, that's obviously what the gimmick is a ripoff of. However, he doesn't even try to hide it. It's just like, ah, no, I'm going to do his face paint. Okay. It was an homage. 
that's what they that that's the uh, the the nice word that people use for ripping off. Yeah. So. Exactly. <laughs> but we now get the outsiders def- with six in their corner. They're defending the WCW World Tag Team titles against the Faces of Fear, which is Mang and Barbarian. They've got Jimmy Hart in their corner. This went for just shy of 12 minutes. I said at one point, Six chases Jimmy Hart to the back with his megaphone. Everything Nick Patrick does, by the way, commentary complains. Good, bad, or indifferent, they complain. They sound like petulant children on on commentary. (laughs) (laughs) Like, oh, he didn't get down fast enough. Oh, I think he got down too fast. Well, he didn't see that. To be real fair, that is just Patrick. He sucked as a ref, period. But he's one of the (laughs) worst refs ever. And then WWE hired him as their heel referee. You remember that? Well, he just had that face he wanted to hit. So I was like, eh, make some money. It was, what was funny was during the alliance, he was the WCW heel referee. Where every time there was a WCW guy in the match, he would pull for him and he would screw over the WWF okay, guy. Okay, true. But is he really a heel if he's going with his own team? The uh, team itself is a heel, yes. But he can't yeah. fault the guy for being loyal to his team, right? I don't, yeah, know, why the hell, yes, I don't know why the hell I'm defending this, but... It was just like he was uh, he, he, he was to America what if anybody knows any lucha libre they they ripped off Kirantes Jr down in Mexico because that was just like a running and I I'm, I know he's not the first to do the heel referee gimmick but he's just the most well known today but anybody who watches lucha libre that's like a staple down there is the heel referee that you know always screws over the baby faces and Does he Kirantes, have issues? No. <laughs> Fail. So the match finishes with uh, Nash finally hitting the jackknife powerbomb on Barbarian for the win. Uncle Dave only gave this one star, but for the guys who were in it, I thought they it was a Haas match. I gave it two and a half for average, maybe two. What say you? I said two. I, I, I at no time, match. though, thought that the Faces of Fear were going to win. So, I mean, oh, no. Well, that's the thing, though. Like, I can't, yeah, I was like, I can't really rate any more than that when you know what's going to happen like even watching it while i was watching it live right yeah i don't think the faces of fear ever won a title ever and i don't oh, think they the tag titles anyways i don't know about anything no. else but well and greg this is the second time we get the dungeon of doom in the night so there's that well, that's money yeah the dungeon they were they were part of the dungeon of doom for people that don't remember so there's that and why wouldn't you remember <laughs> That angle was on fire, man. Even Nash said he had to compete with that when he was champion, which made it unfair. Yeah, <laughs> and he had to compete with it here in WCW. I mean, the NWO, <laughs> the NWO had to follow that. I mean, good grief! I, how do you? Oh man! In the back, in front of an NWO backdrop, Ted DiBiase's holding the big gold belt with Vincent and Miss Elizabeth behind him. Miss Elizabeth looks really bored and like she'd rather be anywhere else in the world right now. Wouldn't I don't you? know if you. Well, I don't know. Did you notice that she didn't? She didn't even tr- like try to look. I feel like I was a majority of her WCW career. Yeah, I'm like, why are you here? And other people ask that. They're like, why did you employ Miss Elizabeth? And to this day, Eric Bischoff defends her and says she brought credibility to things and she brought you know whatever. Like, no, she sat there looking bored the whole time. Everything she did was just like. Well, her whole career is either bored or looking scared. That was her whole career. Yeah, at or least awkwardly cheering. I feel like every time she cheered when she was a manager ringside, uh, do I clap now or do what? I'm like, ah. right. No disrespect to the deceased, but like I just I don't know why people call her one of the greatest managers ever. 
She literally yeah, just no. stood there and clapped. She was a, she I mean, was the Jason definition Garrett of a valet. Dallas, so. <laughs> well, she was the definition of a valet. That's all she was. She was not a manager. She was not. She did not add. I think she added to Macho Man's presentation for that gimmick and for his feuds that he had. Aesthetically, yes. And for the WWE or WCW, rather, I feel like she did nothing. Like she she brought nothing to anything, and I feel like they kind of. I feel like they kind of bastardize her after a while, just to the point where it's like, oh, it's Liz. It's you know whatever. But anyway, uh, DiBiase trash talks Piper for a while. (laughs) DiBiase trash talks Piper for a while before Hogan comes into frame. And he says he uh, he already told the fans on the West Coast that he's already beaten Piper because, you know, time zones. (laughs) Here's 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 I didn't think about that. (laughs) Like, did he buy him in California or something? What? Yeah, well, here's my thing. If. If it was the reverse, like they were on the West Coast and he told the guys on the East Coast that he had already won, that would make sense. But West Coast is three hours behind. So why are you telling them, like, in the middle of the afternoon, I already won? And do they not know how to tell time? Does the pay-per-view come on at a different time for them? None of this made sense. But then again, yes, it came on at five for us. Ah. But anyway, he says that he was hoping that Piper already ran for the hills in fear. And then he talks crap about Piper's family and his kids and whatever. And says something about Piper's kid running around the backstage trying to bum a quarter so he could use the vending machine. <laughs> There's I'm another like, person in this promo you're not speaking about, by the way. And it's like, it's kind of ticking me off. I mentioned that Vincent was in the background. Well, more. No, he stood there and smiled. That was it. With his arm that crossed. made the whole promo. Maybe think about it. Yeah, yeah. I I got weird flashbacks when we got Teddy DiBiase holding a title belt with Vincent standing behind him, crossing his arms and smiling. <laughs> but that was uh, funny, yeah. man. F I funny. did. I did get. Well, I'll bring it up later uh, when we get to it. But here we go. Uh, Diamond Dallas Page took on Eddie Guerrero next in the finals of the WCW United States Title Tournament. Uh, apparently the title was vacant. I didn't look up why. Uh, I can't try to remember. Was it Flair? Uh, Rick Flair, Bash of the Beach. Yeah, I think okay. he got injured. Yeah, yeah, vacated due to Rick. Yeah, I guess it was vacated due to Rick Flair suffering a shoulder injury, so he was out at this time. But yeah, so the title is vacant. The finals of the tournament were DDP and Eddie Guerrero. Uh, I said it. It went for 15 minutes 20 seconds. At the end of the match, the referee gets distracted with Eddie Guerrero outside of the ring as the Outsiders and Six rush down to the ring. Scott Hall drops DDP with the Outsiders' edge. Eddie didn't see this, apparently. He's still a babyface at this time. He nails a frog splash on DDP, and he gets the win. Me and Uncle Dave gave this three stars. What say you? I did as well. I love this match. It was really good. DDP was was really coming into his own at this point. And, I mean, he'd always been good, but he was getting great. Eddie Guerrero was always great. His mullet was a little off, though. It, it would it would get uh, much better. In, I wasn't uh, feeling years it. past. Yeah. I do have not this exact attire, but I have a Jax figure of Eddie, like, in during this era, in the, the white and red singlet. I think I have that one. <laughs> yeah, this one was white, red, and black. I did not have, mine does not have any black on it. It's just white and red. 
but yeah, so after the match, the Outsiders get back into the ring, and Eddie jumps them, beating them up. Uh, he catches six with an atomic drop off the uh, coming off the top of the uh, top rope, and but eventually Nash takes him out. All three NWO members commence with a beatdown of Eddie Guerrero. This would eventually build up to a sold-out ladder match for the U.S. title between Six and Eddie Guerrero, if I remember correctly. Yep. The only thing good about that event. (laughs) That was, what, February? January. It's the next one. Oh, okay. So, yeah. It's coming up. But this, um, this right here, I mean... You know they beat up they beat up DDP. I think DDP was wasn't he still a heel right here? He's getting ready to transition. Yes. Yeah. So this was the famous diamond cutter in the Superdome. Yeah. That, Silverdome. Uh, brother. <laughs> uh, where? When, when was that that he that he did that? The next month, I believe. Actually, yeah, I'm pretty sure. Ah, okay. Like I, like I said, how... he's getting ready to drop the whole cigar thing. Everything's just going away. Right. And start wrestling in jeans. I like and, how and ribs. <laughs> I like how they beat the crap out of him, and then they're like, "Hey, you want to join us?" Yeah. <laughs> no. Well, they're beating him in, just like uh, the hurt business did Cedric Alexander. What do you not get? <laughs> yeah, it's like uh, you beat me up and cost me the U.S. title. Like, why would I want to join you? Because I, if you join us, reasons? we'll help you get it. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. This was weird. Uh, but. Yeah, DDP, by the way, is the is one of the only guys to never join any form of the NWO whatsoever. Him and Goldberg, I think, are the only two. And uh, DDP, yeah. Yeah, DDP and, was around and, from the inception. And Alex Wright. Oh, gosh, yeah. That's, well, that's that rare. never fits in with those two. <laughs> yeah, that's rarefied air up there with Alex Wright. <laughs> Sorry. Even Disco uh, Inferno joined them, and that's, you know... That's he way, did, you know. but he was never part of them. He was just there. Hey, he wore the shirt. That counts. <laughs> that's true, I guess. But uh, everybody wore that shirt, to be fair. I still have that shirt. Yep. <laughs> uh, mine, mine's too small for me after uh, quarantine weight. But anyway, <laughs> uh, we, up next, we got the Giant versus Lex Luger. This went for 13 minutes, 23 seconds. I'm going to say this is the worst match of the night, but I didn't hate it. I, I still like this one, too. The Giant throws Luger off of a pin and right on top of the ref, which knocks the ref out. Luger locks the Giant in the torture rack, but Nick Patrick runs down and he kicks Luger in the back of the knee to break the move. Sting now walks to the ring through the crowd as Luger locks in another torture rack on the Giant, but Six runs down now and kicks him in the face, breaking the hold. Sting shoves Nick Patrick down. He drops his baseball bat in the center of the ring. He whispers something in Luger's ear. Then he walks over, whispers something in Giant's ear, which was probably, I love you. And then he leaves. No. Why, why is it that? <laughs> I don't know. He, he walks up to Lex Luger. He's like, your tan is impeccable. Way to go. It's Starcade. <laughs> oh. <laughs> That's the only thing I could uh. think of. Uh, but anyway. Uh, Luger ends up low-blowing the Giant uh, and uh, repeatedly nails him with Sting's baseball bat uh, before the first referee wakes up and he counts the pin. Luger gets the win. Dave gave this an even two stars. I gave it two and a half. What say you? I gave it one. I hated this match. Really? It was all Giant with a few Luger comebacks. Yeah. And it's like way too much run-ins. 
these guys met multiple times in WCW and they never had a good encounter. No, and they're only a few weeks away from being a team. <laughs> why? I don't understand why they kept pairing these two up when they never had good matches. I mean, I think this is one of the best matches they had, and I liked it mainly because of the storyline aspect of it. I just, I, I, did they keep doing it because they were they were like, well, Luger can pick him up and rack him, so that's impressive. <laughs> like, who cares? It is impressive, but like when you do it all the time, it's like it starts to lose its luster. Yeah, it's like John Cena repeatedly hitting the attitude adjustment on on Big Show. Like, cool, we've seen or the, it. Or the F five on Big Show too. Yeah, I know. It's like, look, it was cool the first three times we've seen it. Now it's like, okay, you're gonna pick up a big dude and slam him. Yay! What else <sighs> is that? Yeah, it's pretty sad when you slam a giant and you're like, cool. What else? <laughs> on Twitter and Instagram at main event underscore marks and Facebook at facebook.com forward slash main event marks pod. The only thing better than grinding all night for your side hustle is your roommate picking you up with Mickey D's breakfast. The perfect pickup deal. There's a deal for every morning at McDonald's. Right now, taste breakfast perfection when you get a warm and savory sausage McMuffin with egg for just $2.50. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. The been thinking about McDonald's all day. Can't get it off my mind. I can already taste it. Ooh, got my mind on my mouth and my mouth ready for some Mickey D's deal. There's a deal for every moment at McDonald's. Right now, get two of your favorites for just $3.50. Mix and match a classic McChicken, a hot and spicy McChicken, or a juicy McDouble. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. Single item at regular price. Now, back to our program. All right, now we go to the main event of Starcade, which is not for the world title, because why would it be? And I just take it from my notes. <laughs> <laughs> it's this is a WCW staple, man. Main event of Starcade. Hogan's in the match. He's the world champion. Of course, the title's not on the line. That's just that's stupid. Why would you do that? Wasn't there another Starcade where it was on the line too? It's, yeah, I, th- I think so. I I can't think off the top of my head, but was it ninety five? No, ninety five. He wrestled the Butcher, right? <laughs> That was, no, that was 90, that was 94, 95. He wasn't in Starcade. They did that, that international cup thing. That's what that it was. One. That's what it was. I'm like he wasn't on, even on their big show. Yeah. But here we got the main event at Starcade 1996. It was Hollywood Hogan versus Rowdy Roddy Piper. It went for f- just shy of 15 and a half minutes. The giant comes down near the end and he lifts Piper up for a choke slam, holding him up forever. Uh, a fan jumped in the ring and gets beat up by Hogan and the referee. That seems to be a staple. <laughs> yep, that was another thing. Hogan in the main event, fan runs in. I mean, that's heat, but that's also like, dude, what the hell is wrong with your security? Piper eventually gets out of the chokeslam attempt, and he dumps the giant outside the ring before he locks Hogan in the sleeper hold, and Hogan's arm drops three times, giving Piper the win. Uncle Dave gave this one and a half stars. I gave it two and a half for average. What say you? I gave it two. I was borderline one, to be honest with you. I just didn't like it. 
But yeah, I remember at the time though, none of that mattered. It was just a, a huge match. We were all excited to watch it. How dare you not rate the match of the century higher, Greg? <laughs> I may take some crap for this, but I think that Sid and Shawn Michaels had a better match the prior month. But my God, they yeah, did. This was just—I don't know, man. I'm like, you know, I don't think it sucked, but just whole thing sucked. It was not. It wasn't great. I'll say that. It wasn't anywhere near uh, great. Maybe I'm biased, but their match a couple months later at uh, Super Brawl was better. Talking age in a cage? No, that's the next year at Halloween Havoc. Oh, oh that's right. Yeah. That was also non-title. This one's for title. <laughs> oh, the one at uh, Super Brawl? Yeah. Which yeah. I was at. So, like I said, I'm a little biased. Was that the one where he hit out in... Uh, in, in um... Alcatraz. Uh, Alcatraz. Yeah. No. Okay. Yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> Good grief. Uh, what was, like, these two just had, like, the weirdest feuds of all time. <sighs> but, uh, anyway, the pyro blows as the outsiders rush the ring. Yeah, the, the pyro blows. Yay, he beat Hollywood Hogan. By the way, the title wasn't on the line. Yay! I put this up with the to the equivalent of... Lex Luger beating Yokozuna at SummerSlam via countout, and then they just like let the confetti fly. Yeah, uh, one of my notes too is Piper won, right? Yep. Okay. What happens at the end? At the way end of the pay per view? Oh, uh, yep. <laughs> I, I've I've got it marked down here because because uh... you said the pyro was blowing. I'm like, yeah. But what happens after that? <laughs> The, as the pirate, they they can't even give Piper a second to breathe and realize, hey, I won. The pirate blows. The outsiders rush the ring. Piper beats them up before rushing, uh, running out of the ring. So at least he didn't get beat up to end the show. So that's good. But no, Piper he only walks, does that on Nitro. Yeah. Well, Piper walks past a giant, and they just kind of glare at each other as Piper walks by, and he leaves. And the giant keeps looking back and forth from Piper to to the ring with uh, the NWO guys in it. Hogan chases the giant. Like, and then the giant like walks off. Hogan chases the giant to the back. Captain was like, oh, big man. We got another segment. Come on out. <laughs> so they, they come back out onto the stage and they argue very loudly. The giant shouts at the NWO saying that uh, he always has their backs and he backs them up, but they don't back him up. Hogan's last words to the giant are, I've got, I've still got the belt. You drop the ball. Don't forget it. And Which, also, side note, they will abuse the hell out of that you drop the ball thing on Nitro for, God, a long time. Well, here's my thing. He says, well, I have you guys' back. You don't have my back. I mean, Nick Patrick and Six interfered in his match to help him, and he still lost. So, I mean, were the outsiders supposed to come out every single match? Or maybe I mean, he meant all the guys in the NWO that mattered didn't have his back. I think six kind of mattered. I put him in the in the upper echelon of the guy. I mean, he was the he was the you bottom of the top. You alone? Yeah, he was he was the bottom of the top guys. He was always he was the guy around. that they love to hang around because he got drunk and threw up on himself, and they love watching it. Good lord, he was he was like still the worker of the group along with Scott Hall. I think and... that was Scott Hall. I think I think they both were, but he was like 
I mean, he hung around the outsiders all the time and he was always on camera. He actually got some mic time. So it's not like he was one of the B team guys. So that's good. But I don't know. He was the B team guy. He just happened to be on, on TV because of those two. Now, oh, geez. Hey, I love, ah. I love Xbox six was stupid. Well, I said uh, that my final note here was even though Hogan and the NWO lost, Hogan still poses in the ring while his music plays. Because? Hogan must pose, even in WCW as a bad guy. <laughs> my God like, in heaven. I don't like do a second take. I'm like, I don't remember this happening when I was watching it. It's like, why did he pose? He lost the, and he's a bad guy. Uh, yep. And the worst thing about all this, by the way, was he hocks a loogie right in the camera and they focus on it for a little while before they switch cameras. That, that was, was a staple sick. of his. Yeah, it was gross. It's like, dude, quit, quit, like, freaking spitting on the damn camera, man. Like, oh, bad guys spit. Cool. It's still gross. Like, just, just effing stop, man. <sighs> but yeah, that's the end of the show. Uh, we'll get into the final ratings right after this, and then we'll pump up what's yet to come here on the Main Event Marks podcast. <laughs> Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at main event underscore marks and Facebook at facebook.com forward slash main event marks pod. The been thinking about McDonald's all day. Can't get it off my mind. I can already taste it. Ooh, got my mind on my mouth and my mouth ready for some Mickey D's deal. There's a deal for every moment at McDonald's. Right now, get two of your favorites for just $3.50. Mix and match a classic McChicken, a hot and spicy McChicken, or a juicy McDouble. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. Single item at regular price. Enjoy. Thanks. The order breakfast at the McDonald's drive-thru. Tell yourself you'll wait to eat it at work, but it smells way too good. So you eat it right there in the McDonald's parking lot meal. There's a meal for every morning at McDonald's. Right now, get any size iced coffee for 99 cents until 11 a.m. And pair it with your favorite breakfast sandwich or one of our tasty bakery treats. Price and participation may vary. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. McDonald's. I'm loving it. Now, back to our program. Final ratings, man. Uh, IMDB gave this 6.4 out of 10. Cagematch.net gave it 7.33 out of 10. I, like I said, this was the highest rated show by me that we've done so far. I gave it an 8 out of 10. What say you? I gave it a B minus. Uh, about a about an 8. Yeah. Ish. I, yeah, I, I love the whole thing, despite some horrible matches. It was just great all around. I mean, yeah, even, I, the, even the main event, which I just thought was not as great as people make it out to be, was a fun no. watch. I was expecting more, and I had completely forgot. Like, somebody must have forgotten their spot or, or something which seems to be a thing in Hogan matches for some reason. Yeah, I think somebody forgot some a spot or something because the giant held Piper up for the chokeslam for like 10 minutes. Yeah, and the referee was like, clearly saw him, but like had to like turn around a couple times and pretend he didn't. <sighs> and then he's even facing him and <sighs> Hogan gets in front of him. Like, okay, that was, that was good because Hogan's clearly a large man and Pee Wee was, well, Pee Wee. So he's able <laughs> to block him. But still, right. man, it came off horrible. Yeah, like, it, you can't see that. By the way, Piper is probably nine feet in the air, give or take. <laughs> Nine's what, seven feet tall? Yeah. So nine feet. You can't see that. I know. 
this was bad, man. I don't know. The the match itself, like I said, for two guys of their age and of their health at that time, it was okay. But match of the century, it's like, I mean, it's a cool tagline, but no. I'm just gonna go off of they meant it as a marquee thing, not wrestling. Like match yeah. the century as far as the marquee goes, I'll give them that. But like when your best match of the night is your opening match, <laughs> yeah. And like I said, I mean, you didn't like it quite as much as I did, but I liked every single match on this card. So I didn't think there was a, a complete dud in the bunch. So even the giant Luger match, I thought, had some upside to it. Clearly, they were using this as just uh, another vehicle to push, push, push the NWO, you know. And and they, they were clearly putting over New Japan talent, you know, uh, to build up to their Tokyo Dome show, trying to help them out. I want to say this was, you know, uh, Eric Bischoff was probably still in cleanup mode for when Bill Watts severely pissed them off in the past. So he was probably, you know, it was probably a show of good faith or something. Wasn't the, wasn't the New Japan show, I said that was on New Year's? Uh, January 4th. Oh, it's 4th. Okay. Yep. I was going to say, so it's like two days away from this. I don't know why yeah. I thought it was New Year's. Yeah, no, we're, uh, we're about a week away from the, uh, from the Tokyo Dome show and... I mean, it, it helps them out. It helped WCW too because it gets their titles focused on New in New Japan's biggest show of the year, so you know it could bring in a new audience. So I mean, it did have an upside for them. But uh, yeah, so that about does it for uh, Starcade '96. Man, that wraps it up. Uh, this was our December 16th show. Next week on December 23rd, it's Christmas Eve Eve, and we are getting. Uh, Degenerative on uh, on the twentieth on Christmas Eve Eve, have yourself a DX Christmas because we're gonna have we're gonna cover WWF Degeneration X in your house from nineteen ninety seven. There's a DX Raw. <laughs> is there more fitting than this? Oh, is that the one where they come out with the stuff wrapped around their junk? Yep. Oh, good lord! Yeah, that, that was uh, money. I, I want to know what your definition of money is, because no. <laughs> the older Come I on, get, dude, the more... you see grown men's asses on TV. Yeah. The older I get, the more I roll my eyes at some of this stuff. Like, as a kid, I was like, haha, they're making fart jokes and, and talking about their You pee-pees. still do. Shut your mouth. <laughs> yeah, but not... <sighs> Good no, not all on... the time. I'm not on national TV, all right? I mean, I did just send you a photo a Photoshop picture of that. I can see your voice, and I changed it to I can see your butthole. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, you're clearly more mature than them. Exactly. Come on. I can see your butthole? That would... Never mind. Anyway, uh, December 30th, we're closing out the... that in. <laughs> December 30th, we're closing out the month with another Starcade. It's Starcade at 2000. It's the last one. This was... Technically... Yeah, well, the last one before WWE got their hands on it. Was this the the one where Sid snaps his leg? No, that's at Sin. Oh, yeah, that show that was a sin. <laughs> a sin to our eyes. So that's going to be on December 30th. This one has an amazing ladder match, though, I'll tell you that. I'm looking forward to watching that back. Yeah, wasn't that the only good thing on the damn show? I'm going to go on a limb and say yes, but... With the uh, possibility of maybe something's going to slip in there accidentally be good. Yeah, yeah, it's not going to be purposely good, that's for damn sure. 
Yeah, and then uh, so that that's that's during the Russo era, by the way, right? He's he's still hanging around, or had he been I gone? I think he is gone. Yeah, he's okay. gone by September, I believe. So, so something. I think this is Kevin Sullivan. Well, much like a rank fart, he is gone, but the smell remains. <laughs> so it's it's like. It's like when somebody goes in the bathroom and just like unloads, and then you know. What were you just saying about immaturity? I'm just. Uh. Well, it's it's very apropos for this, but it's like when you walk in the bathroom and you're like, "My God, light a match!" Wow, like that's Vince Russo, and his booking. Uh, yeah, so look forward to WCW Starcade 2000 closing the sh- uh, the month off. But we do have a bonus show that same week that's going to come out uh, uh, on. Well, that is coming out next Friday, actually. Now that I think about it, so. I gotta get that show watched so that you and I can can review it. It's gonna be. All, I think I'm all done with uh, December, honestly. I may wow. start in January very soon. Nice. Well, uh, COVID, bro, our, stuck in the house. Yep. Well, the on the 23rd, we're gonna bring you D uh, Generation X in your house, and on Christmas, we're dropping Super Clash Three. Well, the bonus show is dropping on Christmas Day. So, Merry Christmas, y'all. Super Clash 3. For those that don't know what Super Clash 3 was, the main event, it was, it was like a big, um, it was the AWA, it was what was left of the Texas Territory, or the Dallas, Texas Territory, and some others, and they all got together. It was a big, like, if you weren't in the WCW, or, uh, in, or if you weren't in the NWA, or um, WWF at that point, this was their big show of the year. And the main event was Jerry Lawler versus Kerry Von Erich for the AWA title. And it was a very, very bloody match. We'll have a lot to talk about with that one. I'm looking forward to watching this because I've, I've, I've seen that match. I have not seen the whole event. And I love this classic stuff from back in the day. Uh, but we will, uh, we will get into all of that next week. Next week is going to be packed week, man. Like I said, WWF, Degeneration X in your house, and then Super Clash 3. Merry Christmas, you get two shows. So, I I mean, in a way, we're like Santa Claus. Oh, good Lord. Well, we are. I mean, <laughs> right? Hey, come on. And uh, oh, for... You can be the elf. No, I'm, I'm, I'm the big guy. Oh, the big yeah. Guy. Yeah, sure you are. Well, and for all of our Jewish listeners out there, uh, this is dropping on the 16th. So, happy Hanukkah. You're, you guys are about to wrap it up. So... How many days is that? Will it be six, six seven? Uh, this is day six of Hanukkah. So you got two more to go after this. So this is this is your Hanukkah. This is your Hanukkah gift. And thank you for joining me today, Greg. Mm-hmm. And we will see you all next week with two shows: Degeneration X in your house and Super Flash the Reason. Merry Christmas, you filthy animal, and a happy new year. The air we breathe, the water we drink, the soil that grows food for our families. These basic elements are essential to healthy, happy lives. America's corn growers think so, too. Across the country, they're pitching in every day and doing the work to produce food and fuel that is healthy in a sustainable way. Go to ncga.com to learn more about how corn farmers grow a more sustainable future for us all. That's ncga.com. Uh, been thinking about McDonald's all day. Can't get it off my mind. I can already taste it. Ooh, got my mind on my mouth and my mouth ready for some Mickey D's deal. 
There's a deal for every moment at McDonald's. Right now, get two of your favorites for just $3.50. Mix and match a classic McChicken, a hot and spicy McChicken, or a juicy McDouble. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. Single item at regular price. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 